Hey, it's Sal from Awaken with Sal podcast. This week, I have John Freeman from the UK, and he's going to speak to us about people who know more and more about less and less until they know everything about nothing. Hello, soul family. I'm your host, Sal Buller, and welcome to Awaken with Sal, a global podcast your vibrational connection for the body, mind, and spirit. Devoted to spiritual awakening, consciousness expansion, sacred empowerment, energy healing, and much, much more. So honored to be here with all you divine beings today. Before we dive in, remember to head over to saltheawakener.com for a free meditation download and share your email to receive my new ebook and stay connected for future offerings and monthly interactive virtual community gatherings available to you all free of charge. So John, welcome. Let's continue the conversation where we left off and it was a beautiful explanation on your part on, you know, really trying to clear up some of the questions I've held near and dear to my heart of, you know, who we are and what's it really about. So um, let's continue. Maybe we start off with, you know, what's the world made of, you know, what is this stuff that everyone talks about consciousness and, and uh, take it from there. Thank you. Uh, Yeah, that's, uh, I think, absolutely a powerful way for us to continue the conversation. And what, what people are typically kind of given by most descriptions of what the universe is, is, well, the first thing is, do you think that the world is matter, just matter? And a lot of people do. A lot of people think that, okay, if I can see it physically, that's what it is. And and that's what the universe consists of. Mm -hmm. And then you'll get the polarization with that often coming from people who are kind of coming from the the growth or development or spiritual angles and one of the places that a lot of people go at the moment is they'll say well it's it's all energy Mm -hmm. and um kind of even matter is energy which we know is true in the sense that you know, it's over 100 years since Einstein showed the straightforward mathematical relationship between energy and the creation of matter, which can, you know, in, in stars, it goes in one direction and in, you know, nuclear, um, in nuclear explosions or nuclear reactors, it goes in the other. Mm-hmm. So we know that there's like a huge amount of energy that actually goes into the creation of matter and there's lots of um kind of physical power involved in there right and then somewhere out there is consciousness and people's awareness of that as a notion Mm -hmm. so the the key question i think that begins to unlock this area is if you look at the relationship between energy and matter, you can then start to ask, well, what is it that shapes 
the process by which energy becomes matter. So why does it do it the way it does? And so that goes in a few different directions. One of the directions it goes in is like, well, so what's responsible for that? And yeah. we, we typically get, you know, there's one historically very popular example of, of an answer to that, mm -hmm. which is that, well, um, God shaped it. And I mean, sometimes I'm tempted to ask people the question, so if I say the word God, yes. what comes into your mind? And for a lot of people, that's still a kind of a, an old white patriarch with a pointy finger. You know, it's some and OK, that's been a little bit shifted in recent decades because a lot of people like to refer to goddess. Right. But there's a kind of personalization that we project the the idea that there is something inside creation we project it outside of ourselves onto mm -hmm. some kind of entity okay and, yeah go ahead so for for myself um you know if i were if i were to go down this conversation and say to myself okay you know when i think of god you know, I know that my mother would have said God is someone that you bow to. And I think the first image that would pop into my mother's generation would be someone that you probably imagine sitting in the sky somewhere, or could be a female sitting in the sky, depending on if you're looking at a deity um, or a deity. Um, so for me, I think that going off of what we started with is about consciousness and consciousness to me is more about sensitivity and awareness. So, uh, so for me, I'm, I'm trying to connect God consciousness, sensitivity, and my purpose and why I'm here. Um, so is there a way to connect all of that in order for me to have a, uh, a journey which flows more smoothly, let's say, rather than having frustrations and all of that, that, you know, automatically happens. And I think really, it's a lack of understanding. Absolutely. And yes, I mean, I think the, the reason I do what I do is because I absolutely believe there is a better way of kind of framing this that, uh, puts us in a relationship which is more productive. Mm -hmm. the, I'm the, the challenge that typically comes to people when what they have as their kind of background belief, whatever the form is they put on it, yes. that if, if you've put a kind of figurehead onto God, yes. then we typically give all the power and control to something which is outside of ourselves and the most we're then able to do and this is a popular solution for mil millions or you know for, for millennia yes. um, what we're able to do then is kind of pray or some equivalent of prayer right 
and I mean, not that I'm against prayer, but it has a lot to do with, well, what's the relationship between you and the whatever it is you're praying to? Right. Because what what a lot of the frames do and certainly what of the a lot of the traditional religions, what they do is they put us as individuals into this kind of subservient uh, position where our prayer is almost it is almost indistinguishable from begging yes it is an excellent um, yeah you don't yeah. have you you lose the the point of power or the you're empowered when you are connected to your internal mechanism and when you're looking outside of yourself for answers a hundred percent i couldn't agree with that more um because you've lost that that uh connection to essence which is within you yes so if i loop back a little bit towards where i started in terms of kind of what's shaping matter and maybe more to the point in this in where this conversation is headed is yes. what shapes our lives what shapes the way our lives unfold what yes. shapes the movement of people and things in the universe mm -hmm. and is kind of causative of what happens right if if you have a framework for god consciousness for the big consciousness whether you use the word god or not for for uh, the you know for the force for whatever that is if you have a notion that there is something going on in that realm where there is indeed a form of consciousness that has its own dynamic and that is in a sense separate from us you know it's going to do what it does whether i'm here or not then what you can engage with is that there is a flow and we are sitting within that flow right but what then you what you then need to add to it is that the creative force of what happens next to that flow yes there's the big picture of what's happening that isn't you yes but there's also the part that is you because you are a creative portion of that whole so when people think of the oneness you know it you can kind of you can oscillate between seeing the oneness in which you kind of it's so big and so unformed that you don't exist anymore you're lost in it right and then you can get into the duality which is where well there is you and everything that is not you but actually the two are meshed because you are portion of that creative process so john i'm going to backtrack just a little bit because at this point i'm thinking to myself you know you're you come into this life form and <clears throat> you're really like a fresh clean slate and then all of a sudden 
your parents and everybody else, they influence who you become to, to the point where you spend the balance of your entire life trying to <laughs> look back and say, you know, what were some of the lies that we were told? And, you know, at some point, it could be that everything that you were told in the way that you interpreted it could be a complete lie. So what I want to do is really step back and take a look, um, because I know you, you have written and done work with parents. Since we're on this subject matter of discussing consciousness and God and your awareness of things don't happen in a random kind of way, and it really requires your input in some way or form. I, as a parent, and I'm actually a grandparent, how can I be instrumental that we're not repeating the mistakes of yesterday? Moving forward, I do not want to have it. So I become that grandparent who is shaping the world of my grandchildren in such a way that we haven't really moved any further forward. Yes, <laughs> I certainly get the question. I mean, I am, I'm a parent, um, not a grandparent, and probably not likely to be a grandparent for all sorts of uh, reasons. Um, so I think there's, there's a couple of answers I would want to give to that. The first is that what has always happened, I would say, until maybe a hundred years or yeah, not, not much more than that ago, is that it, it was seen as part of the parents' job to tell children how the world worked. So we didn't, it wasn't normal to teach them to ask questions. It was, you know, there, there are very rare parents who uh, had that approach and who supported their children to find out their own answers. But most right. of the world has, has functioned on, well, you know, the, the Western world for the last thousand years on basically two belief systems. One was that we're going to teach them some version of a religion and all religions have pretty much the same characteristics that they say this is how the world is and this is what's right and this is what's wrong so wasn't religion really a form of schooling yes um somewhere between schooling and indoctrination and okay possibly st possibly still is um and and, and uh, i i the, the second thing that I was going to say has has kind of been part of the way uh, reality is given to people is um, rationality, the scientific method, and um, everything that you learn in school that's about reality. I mean, there's lots of stuff you learn in school that's about relationships and kind of, I mean, lots of people will know that wonderful poem everything I learned about life I learned in kindergarten and you know that, that there's a lot of wonderful truth in that but what we have stacked up on top of that basically since 
probably 150 years ago, is we've stacked up this process of, well, you when you've learned to read and write and do arithmetic, then we start telling you what you have to, to think and do with those things you've learned. And so we give you the books we think that you should know. And we basically, well, I, you know, if I'm slightly, give a slightly cynical version of that, we equip you to become a productive member of, of, um, of a money society. Exactly. And, you know, the, the other question that pops up, John, just at this, uh, you know, at this point is, you know, as a parent, you know, um, we repeat and repeat and repeat a, a child's name. The child then connects to that name or to those shoes or to those objects as themselves. So in other words, I'm Sal, those are my shoes, that is my room, et cetera, et cetera. And so as a child, if you can just uh, kind of help the audience understand, when does a child not no longer differentiate between the real them, the name or the I, the little I, when that is formed, I think is where I think I, as a parent, would want to step in. Because the essence of who you are, the essence of who you are is much more than, you know, my shoes and my room and my, because as a child, I could see how my grandchildren connect to that. And so the minute you take the shoes away or you take the toy away, there's a certain level of I that you're taking away from them. So that you're creating that separateness because in a child's mind, they are that. Mm. I, I mean, I love the way you've asked that question. And <laughs> once again, there's several directions I could go with it. One is that part of what I talk about in the parenting book is the way the child naturally develops, all children naturally develop this way, that there is a point at which um, if you look at a, a, a two-year-old, a typical two-year-old is very embedded in the reality of kind of I exist with these parents or with this nuclear family and who I am is not that different than who they are. And so there's a, a kind of a belonging and a bonding, which kind of comes first. And then there's a point which every parent knows, or even every non-parent has witnessed, which is that somewhere around two, two and a half, three, a child starts to kind of do something different. They have the sense that, but then who am I? And they start coming up with the use of those kind of really awful words like no and mine. And there's quite a long and painful process or not necessarily painful, but uncomfortable process because they're 
discovering that, oh, there's this impulse that is within me to be who I am. And they don't have a language for that. They don't even have a concept for that. It's just an impulse that's there. And there's this whole kind of boatload of impulses moving forward. And the impulses then start knocking up against a world which itself says, well, actually, uh, we don't want you to do that. And sometimes the result of that is, is you know, Charles asked for some sweets when you're taking it around the um the mall and you said no and they're on the floor having a tantrum because they're dealing with all that impulsive energy with nowhere to go and you've just said no to that so that's a there's a huge amount that comes with with that and i won't go down that road but just to recognize that it's there and that actually the process by which we go through understanding the relationship between there's there's an I and I have desires and I have impulses and things that I think and want to do. And then there's a world I'm embedded in, which kind of spends the next 10 years teaching me where the boundaries are to that. Right. And sometimes it teaches you healthily and sometimes that process can go really wrong. But everything that you asked in your original question actually kind of comes from, well, yes, children need to go through that process of learning the, the place they are in with relation to something which is larger. But they don't need what we used to think they needed, which is to be told what it is. What they need to learn is how to ask questions and to find out what the universe will feed back to them in relation to those questions. And actually that's absolutely at the center of this whole um, access to possibility method is the notion that we need to learn as adults, not to live in certainties and looking for the right thing, but to live in the question of what's possible here. And if I, if I try this, what's the feedback that I get from the universe and how does that adjust what I might choose next? And so we, we move into a process of kind of ongoing, continual choosing in which we're relating our choices and the result of those to what we see directly and also to what we're detecting through intuition is this is what the universe flow is giving back to us as a response. So this goes back to what we were talking about last time, which is why intuition and sensing and sensitivity are key. And that's what you talked about, the need for us to find that sensing and sensitivity and to live from that. Exactly. And what, a what, you know, it, it's interesting, you know, we are gifted with, uh, this incredible desire and need uh, to survive. And in that gift of surviving and moving forward, you can be assured that you will do anything and everything possible in your abilities to make sure that you survive. And so from that survival, 
I guess, the flow that we're really looking for. And even as children, you know, when you're faced with possibilities and questions and this innate um, desire to keep moving and moving forward, uh, because we're programmed for that right from birth, um, all of a sudden, you know, you start defining good, bad, right, wrong, um, and, uh, and, and the choices uh, are the key in which way uh, you're going to be able to navigate life. And with the choices, the key, I guess, that you've just touched on is questions. Questions. Because the minute you ask a question, John, there's a light bulb kind of moment that your brain has no choice but to answer that question. Am I right? Well, yes, and not entirely from my point of view. I mean, yes, if you ask the question, your brain or any other local human brain will be inclined to try and answer that question. But there's something else that is key to this notion of possibility, which is if the question is truly open and isn't directed in a way that is calling for an answer, but is inviting a response from the universe, So you can ask open-ended questions of the universe, like, um, how can it get better than this? And you can ask open-ended questions of the universe in, in terms that are more specific, which are related to, um, what's possible for me here that would bring me, um, more satisfaction in my job or what's possible for me here that would bring me more income or you know something about my relationship or what whatever it is you can start you can begin to develop your relationship with the universe so that you become an invitation to the universe to support you now that may not sound hugely different from prayer but it is a much more empowered relationship. And it is based on a sense of um, kind of standing in a place where, well, I am, you know, I am worthy of what I'm asking for. There's so much in, in prayer, which tends to put, you know, kind of put me so small in relation to God. And I mean, you know, there are some people who would almost say that I'm unworthy when they ask in a prayer well exactly you know when you start off by stating you know forgive me lord for I have sinned you know I mean you start off right there um going into really you know bowing down but not in the way that you should be yes yes it's not a humility it's a it's 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 a it's a real self it's a self-rejection and um, yeah, we go into those places and we're it's religions, many religions have encouraged us to go into that place where, well, basically I'm worthless and I don't really deserve what I'm asking for, but I'm going to pray for it anyway. Yes. And 
you know, that, that's <laughs> that's not the way I choose to live. That's not the way I would want to live. And I wouldn't really, I don't really like seeing other people live from that place because it doesn't seem to generate happiness. Such a, such a disempowered kind of beginning to uh, the unfoldment of what you you are really here for and 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 um it's 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 very interesting you know when you go into any church or temple or synagogue where the power lies again on someone else who knows far more than you on how you should be navigating life so and and don't get me wrong because i do feel that positive prayer is needed and is 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 very effective and um and all of that but uh, on that note i mean john we have uh dived into a, a beautiful conversation uh, and our 30 minutes of our beautiful dialogue goes by so so quickly so in our next episode uh, what can the listeners be um uh, invited to really discuss and uh, touch upon so here we've discussed a religion, the ability to go uh, inner world versus outer world, and also how much your awareness, sensitivity, and consciousness plays a part of, of, of where you are at right now in your life. And so next episode, um, if you can just let the audience know what do they have to look forward to. Yeah, well, I, th I think um, there'd be some value in just getting a little bit more understanding of, of the mechanics of, of what I'm talking about. So kind of how does this relate to um, to health or to, you know, to the, the there's so many different layers on on which we function. And so what's happening in the way that consciousness plays out through all those different layers? And it, it's not that people need to know a huge amount. But I, th I think there's something that, you know, if you were learning to drive a car, you would get an understanding of, okay, so there's a relationship between the steering wheel and the wheels that when I turn something, something happens and I, you know, and, and you, you know something about your accelerator pedal. So you don't know how to have to know how the engine is built or, you know, any of that. But I think to get into some sense of what the linkages are in the mechanism would help people understand where we're going with how to get the best out of this relationship and how to get into this creative relationship of you know of what's possible beautiful and so on that note john if someone wanted to get a hold of you if uh do you have a website uh if you can just share with everyone how they can uh possibly get a hold of you and your work. For sure, thank you. Um, so the website is accesstopossibility.net and there's also uh, a Facebook group also called Access to Possibility. And so if people contact me there, um, there are, you know, I, I will be building ways of um, keeping in touch with people and offering stuff both um kind of free stuff and stuff people can sign up to go deep with and uh, that's what is going to be happening over the 
coming year. So access to possibility.net or Beautiful. access to possibility Facebook group. Beautiful. Well, I look forward to that and I look forward to our continued conversation. And so for the listeners, one more time out there, we are going to continue bridging consciousness, sensitivity, awareness, your understanding of who you are and how you fit into this incredible, incredible uh, world that we live in and how to navigate and bridge where you're at to where you want to be. So thank you so much for that, John. And thank you for uh, all the listeners to tune in. And we look forward to our conversation in the next episode. Thank you all for joining us today by sharing your time, sharing your love, and most important, your energetic presence, your unique vibrational signature. What a gift and an honor to have you join us. Notice what has shifted or stood out for you today and know that you are a sacred being, a co-creator on an incredible soulful journey. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you're notified when a new episode is released. Don't forget to rate and review this podcast and share it with your friends. The more reviews and shares we get, the more people we can reach and you never know how an episode will shift someone's life. Once again, thanks so much for listening and have an incredible day.